just that idea of slowing down traveling, slowing down our lives, just looking at things from a completely different point of view and having the time, because it's just you and your bike and the sound of the tires on the road, and that's all there is. Welcome back to the Beat the Often Path podcast, the cast where we showcase unusual success stories to help us all think outside the box and build better stories of our own lives. And yes, I did hear myself just refer to this podcast as a cast, and I already regret it, and I may never do it again. My guest today is Lori Tierney, who worked for many years at one of the top language institutes in the Netherlands, and that's where we met. When she retired, she was left with the question, as so many are, of what comes next? Never one to back down from a challenge, she began a series of long-distance bike treks around the world, a journey that led her to set up a foundation in Kenya. Now she's using her talents to make the world a better place, and her story contains deep wisdom on life and making big changes for anyone willing to hear it. So with that, here's Lori Tierney. Welcome to the podcast, first of all, Lori. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. You know, there has been a traditional path that has served people well for many years, decades, possibly even 100 years. You know, you go to school, you do this, you get this job. There's a system that everybody bought into, and that system worked for many people. It seems like now with the pandemic, people losing their jobs, the overall trends in AI, the internet, computers, a lot of parts of that path don't make sense anymore. It just doesn't work anymore. And a lot of people are being left behind. So the concept, the beat the often path, is to give unusual success stories to show people different ways of looking at living a life, essentially. To give inspiration for people who might have doubts. So if somebody out there has just lost their job or they want to change to another career, to give them inspiration about what the next thing could be. So I want to pool a broad group of people, as many as possible, who have done things in an unusual way or who have made decisions that are atypical. And hopefully through that, it will inspire people to think a little bit differently and get the ball rolling on what the new world is going to be like. Yeah. Yeah. I think things that I've done in the last two years that that, that, that are unusual a is, is I think because of my age people think well how can you possibly do that is I just got on my bike and two years ago I cycled from Lands End to John O'Groats. I don't know if you know that so it says anything to you that's the most westerly point of the United Kingdom to the most easterly point of Scotland. Is that not what uh, Ewan McGregor did on Long Way Down on a motorcycle? I think there was I think, a I think show. So. Yeah, I think I so. I believe it yeah. was literally that route, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah, exactly. Well, I did it, I did it on, the, on the bike. It took me 26 wow. days. And, wow. And because of this foundation that I have and, and you know, the fact that, you know, if, you, if you've got enough and you, you've got talents, whatever those talents are, you know, we think of talents, don't we, as, as, as intelligence or being very clever at something, but it could just be pedaling, pedaling a bike, using your legs, uh, and off you go. Yeah. And, um, and then last year, I decided to go, uh, I cycled to Rome. So um, I left Amsterdam one very hot August morning and um, I cycled the 2,500 kilometers all the way down through the Netherlands into Germany, all the way down th- to Austria, a little, little tiny bit of Switzerland, and then, um, and then of course, I- Italy, crossing over the Alps and uh, the Apennines Mountains as well. So they were pretty, they were pretty tough. And, you know, it's, people say, oh, wow, what, you know, why did you do that? Well, it's something to do for a start. And I did it also in a lockdown. So in that window of opportunity where the virus decided it was going to sort of um, uh, uh, not be so virulent, so borders were opening, and I managed to get through all these countries. And I never knew from the moment that I left, would I make it into Germany? Would I make it into Austria? Would I make it into Switzerland? And I made it to St. Peter's Plain in, 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 in Rome. And it was just, I'm writing a book about that now, um, peddling through Europe in a pandemic, just to, just that idea of slowing down traveling, slowing down our lives, just looking at things from a completely different point of view and having the time because it's just you and your bike and the sound of the tires on the road 
And that's all there is, the birds and the trees and, it, and, and the, you don't know who you're going to meet during the day. You don't know who, 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 uh, 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 where you're going to sleep that evening. So you've really got to kind of let go and let kind of life just do what it has to do. And it does an awful lot of things. You meet interesting people, they give you food, they help you. And, but we've kind of lost that, 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 the art of doing that. So just to slow down and see the world from a completely different perspective, it's quite fascinating. So maybe before we jump into this part of your life and your career and your ambition at this moment, um, maybe tell us a little bit of the overall story of your life leading up till now, the short version. Okay, who, who I am, for example, or yes. who I do. Yes. Um, okay. Um, let's start with the very basics. Then I, I'm I'm a wife. I'm a mother. Have uh, 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 children and grandchildren. Uh, I'm a teacher. I'm a philosopher. Uh, I'm a writer. I'm a long distance cyclist. I'm a runner. Um, so I think that kind of gives you a, an overall sketch of. I'd say so. Who I am. All very normal my... stuff. <laughs> very typical <laughs> stuff right there. So anyways, this is going to be boring, I can tell already. Um, <laughs> so amongst all of those things, one of the interesting things is how can people build a life and a career? Because they go hand in hand. If, you're, you know, if you don't have any money, you're not going to be able to do any of the stuff that you want to do. So how have you managed to take all of these disparate ideas and activities and forge them into something resembling a career? I think... There's just one word, really, curiosity. I have a huge amount of curiosity. I think we've also lost the art of curiosity, being interested in others, being interested in different things, in different worlds, in different countries, in different people. Um, and I think also the luck, and I, I think I'm going to call it luck, that at my age that I've got a huge amount of energy and I can do it. Um but maybe I can do it because of the curiosity. I don't know. I've never actually taken the element of curiosity out of it to see what would happen to me if I didn't have that, if you get my uh, I do, yes. thought. Yes. Okay, so, yeah, and in this curiosity that you talk about, um, it has led you to some interesting places all over the world. You've recently switched gears pun intended, I guess, into a new <laughs> path. Um, so maybe talk a little bit about what happened. You're at the retirement age. So what is the latest thing that you have been doing? Well, when I, I, I retired, after working at uh, uh, as, a, 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 as a teacher and a, a, as a member of the board and as head of a department, so I made a career uh, uh, in the institute where, where, where I work, where we met each other, actually. Where we met, yes. Uh, exactly. And... Um, and I, I, I worked there for 42 years and five months. Don't forget the five months. Wow. And um, so when I retired, I, I decided I was actually too young really to stop working. I still had the... I love work. I love teaching. I love uh, uh, sharing ideas with others, getting ideas out of others, helping people towards the next step. Something that I do, I do it without the feeling that it's a job, that it's just something that I enjoy doing. I enjoy meeting them, learning from them, as well as them learning from me. From me. So I started off my own little company, little company called the Nomadic Educator. And I felt that it fit with me because nomadic, meaning that I like to travel and teach. So it was kind of like anywhere any time, so any country, any any time uh, uh, of the day, or if you're in LA and I'm here, we've got different time uh, differences, for example. And um, so that is something that I really enjoyed doing, and it took me to, to Italy to work, to Milan, it took me to Paris and to London, and also just here uh, in the Netherlands. It's not something that I always do five days a week. Sometimes uh, it could be three days, it could be two days, you could have a week where you had actually you were given no tuition whatsoever and then off you go again for a whole week of non-stop lessons and I kind of like that idea of being able to um, be more versatile with my uh, with, with my diary and it gave me time as well to do the things that I really love love to do and that is 
cycling and long distance cycling. And I also have a foundation in Africa, uh, in Kenya, and by cycling and doing something like cycling, it used to be more the running, but now it's more the long distance cycling. And then I use it as fundraising. So uh, uh, send it out on all different platforms, Instagram, uh, Insta, um, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, and also sending out letters or just, just contacting people, business people or whatever. And that enables me at the moment to send 15 girls to school in Kenya from the slum, the, the slum areas that would not have had the chance to get an education. And I just feel that education is the way forward for many people to not so much a successful life, but at least to get a job and to get themselves out of poverty uh, um, more than what they, uh, they would if they didn't have this chance. And it, it, you know, it doesn't really take much. It's that talent. I've got this talent that I have the energy to be able to cycle uh, the idea to do it, but I also have a fantastic husband who is my wonderful crew, and he goes ahead like a hundred kilometers. I'm cycling, let's say, to Rome. He'll each day go ahead a hundred kilometers uh, uh, um, and 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 set up camp and go and buy food and make sure I have enough carbohydrates in my body and proteins. <laughs> Yeah. And he'll follow me, and we have great fun. It's kind of an expedition uh, together, which makes it fun as well. And on the way, you're also fundraising and collecting and talking to people and telling them what you're doing. So it, it serves all different purposes. It's it's fun to do. Uh, it um, it um, it satisfies your curiosity. It your satisfies your uh, that you love traveling and meeting new people. And after that, you can write about it. But at the same time, you can raise funds to be able to do something and that is send these children to school mm. so um yeah that's what's been keeping me busy since i um since i retired i was gonna put an actual sound effect of a car screeching there but i'm not going to do it but i do want to stop the action for a little bit and interject if i might i never do this but I want you to not be a passive listener of this podcast. What do I mean by that? You've been enjoying the concept. You like hearing these stories. You like the effort that it takes to bring you these stories and inspiration. I encourage you to be active in your consumption. By that, I mean like the post where you find it. Comment on the post on Instagram or on YouTube. If you really like the show, give it five stars in Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on Spotify. Tell your friends help me spread the word and help me grow this thing with you. I would really, really appreciate it. I'm not going to ask a whole lot of you on this show, but if you do enjoy what you're hearing, help me grow it, help me spread the word. I would really, really appreciate it. So with that, let's get back to the episode. I do want to jump in here with a quick note for those listening. So the place that we met is a language institute in the Netherlands. And when you spoke about curiosity, I feel that that is a great environment for curiosity because it's a very unique language institute in that you teach one-to-one. -one. It's one of the top language institutes, maybe the still top language institute in the country. You teach one-to-one -one with a lot of very different people, kind of like this. You're in a room with celebrities, with rappers, with chefs, with people from Eastern Europe, people from Sweden, Scandinavia, all kinds of people, uh, the head of the EMEA region of a massive multi-billion dollar company one week, you never know who you're going to get. So I completely understand that somebody like you would stay there for so long because with people changing every week, it's always a different story. There's yeah. always more to learn. And you have a captive audience and you get to learn from these people that you'd probably never meet in real life ever. Exactly. Yeah, like ministers, ambassadors, and and right. and and, and uh, uh, CEOs of large companies. And as you know, as well as I do, you you could have somebody from a large company. You had no idea what it is they make. You've never heard of it before, but all of a sudden, you learn so much. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize how that works and how that works. So you become a kind of 
uh, jack of all trades, but master of none in your in your knowledge of <laughs> yes. Oh, I've heard about that. Oh, I've heard about that. Right. Um, which again is 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 for the curiosity. And as you said, right. exactly that that one to one where you can build up this kind of rapport, this kind of um, very special relationship uh, uh, with a with a student on a very professional level, of course. Uh, um, where they sort of grow in confidence and and dare to talk to you and to tell you things that you know you don't literally share outside of that room because they come down they're quite confidential about their of course their company and you become that person that they they like to share the, the difficulties they're having in leadership or uh, dealing with employees or or promotion or the fact that they might lose their job so. Um, you become the psychologist, the listener, as well as as well as the teacher. But that's what you loved about it as well, I think. Absolutely, yeah. It was fascinating. And I had no idea that was coming when I applied for the job. All of that was a bonus. Yeah. I had no clue that there would be all of that stuff. But that was, for me, the best part of the whole thing. I think that's the reason why I stayed there so long. I believe it's, it. Yeah, it's because of the, the, the you met society, didn't you, there? You did, yeah. And and also now, of course, I have to, uh, um, you know, although lots of my students, they phone me up or via LinkedIn they, or they go via, via, via. But there you just literally sat in your chair and, <laughs> and they were offered to you, weren't they? I know it's not quite like that, but that's how it felt sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, they were timetabled in and and um, every, everyone, all of them were lovely. And if they weren't lovely, then you knew that after five days they would go. But they were always lovely. I mean, you could always find the good in everybody, I found. There wasn't anybody that I thought distasteful or that I didn't want to teach. Uh, they might have been a bit offish in the first hour, but the second hour you'd get them up and talking. Because I suppose that's what we got good at, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And you might say I'm trying to recreate a bit of that feeling with this podcast. And there are similarities. <laughs> There's parallels for sure. Yeah. Maybe that's something that I miss subconsciously as well. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, how long during, so you obviously knew that you were going to retire. That was no surprise. But how long were you concocting this new idea of cycling around the world and starting that new adventure? Well, the cycling... Because I, the cycling was something um, a number of years ago. I was thinking three or four years ago. I can't really remember exactly. I had lived in the Netherlands for 40 years. That's quite a time. And I thought I could throw a big party. But I thought, no, what I'd like to do is I'd like to get to know the country, really get to know it, to embrace it even. Well, it's too big to cuddle. So I thought, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll cycle around it. That's a good idea. I'll cycle around the border. So I said to my husband, would you mind if I sort of used about eight weekends, because I, I was working during the week, of course, so I didn't think of taking the time off to cycle around for a whole month. And um, I thought I'd catch the train um, now I'll start at home and then end up somewhere and stay a night in a bed and breakfast and then continue the next day, Sunday, Sunday evening, find a station that somehow I could get myself back home. And then my husband said, I'll tell you what, um, uh, uh, um, I'll organise the bed and breakfast for the first night and da 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 and that was um, somewhere near the Belgian border. And then... We'd have supper together, and I'd say, oh, do you know what I saw today? And did you know that? And I never knew that the Dutch did this. And I never knew that this part of the country grew this, or there were lots of uh, pig farms or whatever. And he found this quite fascinating. He really enjoyed listening to me blabbing on about, about the Netherlands. So he decided in the weekends that he would actually drive me to the place that I stopped the Sunday before, and when we started to get further, further north, we had to go on the Friday. Otherwise, you know, it would have been too far to go. Although the Netherlands is not that uh, long as it is wide, but it still takes about three or four hours to get from uh, 
the south to the north. That doesn't sound much for an American, but it's quite a long way, yeah. I remember taking the train. It, it felt like a long time. A three-hour train ride is, is the real deal. And I really enjoyed it. And then, yeah. of course, what happens when you do these things? You you then, you're, you're I don't know, you're Googling or something, and you think, oh, Oh, Land's End to John O'Groats. That's the, the most iconic one and the end-to-end, they call it. I thought that'd be fun. And um, so then that's when an idea sort of gets, it, it's a seed in your head, isn't it? And, well, it, that's what happens to me. And they're quite dangerous things because I think, well, that's a nice idea. And then it becomes, the seed starts to grow and then it starts to take form and then you start to buy the books, that's the most dangerous part. <laughs> That's the very dangerous thing. And then the maps start turning up and the walls oh start getting full of maps. Sir. <laughs> I can see and, that, yes. <laughs> and that's that's what happened. And then I don't know where where Rome came into it. I suppose because I think Rome is kind of the place where since the Middle Ages that people would actually do a pilgrimage, a pilgrimage if that's what they wanted to do, uh, so I think that that was where Rome, um, the idea of Rome came. And this year would have been uh, to go around Ireland. But of course, because of the um, travel restrictions, it's going to be too late in the year and it'll be raining and dark. And so we're just going to go around the Netherlands again. So okay. that way. And did you make the trip from what you said, Land's End to, to John O'Groats? Did you end up, did you do that? Yes, I did that two years ago. Okay, two years ago. Yeah. And what did it take to make that happen? That seems like it would take a lot of preparation. Um, well, of course, what makes... One thing, as, as you know, um, here in the Netherlands, there, there are more bikes than cars. And, you know, most people have, like, two bikes, um, uh, a slower bike and a faster bike. <laughs> sure. <laughs> So cycling is something that we'll do here all the time. So you cycle to the shop, you cycle into town, you you could cycle to work. Uh, people don't just usually cycle on their own; they cycle with a child in front and a child behind, and shopping bags on the side or or whatever, uh, as you know. So you you get enough opportunity to do to train, for example. But you have to exactly um, you have to once or twice a week you have to start doing the 70 to the 80 to the 90 to the 100 kilometers and then you'll you'll have a long weekend where you'll do uh, three times 90 or three times 100 kilometers and then you might go for a whole week where you're doing 100 a day and that's that's how you train and I think running and wow uh, doing push-ups and squats and climbing steps and things like that just to keep yourself fit. So, so you're really committed to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's not massive. It's not that you're you're training uh, um, every day. You're doing a little bit of cycling. Like my plan is tomorrow was is 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 to cycle from Breda, which you'll you'll know, and to cycle back back home to so take the, the bike on the train. Breda and then cycle back home. That would be about 70, 75, 80 kilometers. Okay. And then you do it in headwinds and then you do it in the rain <laughs> because you've got yeah. to kind of have the different yeah. systems yeah. as well. Well, the funny thing is, uh, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but the show with Ewan McGregor, Long Way Down, he does this on a motorcycle and it's viewed as this very impressive feat. He's on a motorcycle. You're on a regular bike. Yeah. yeah. Not, not an electric bike either. This is a, a regular, regular bike. Oh, no, not a pedal assist yeah. bike. That's in, incredible. So in terms of the stuff that you have to bring, did you have a backpack or what kind of... Well, don't forget, I had my... My husband and I invested in this really small expedition hut. It's, it's kind of like okay. a little caravan. It's, um, okay. uh, um, it's very, very small, but it it's it's... It's so typically Dutch. It's so organised. Everything about it. Uh, it's got it's got uh, solar panels. It's got uh, uh, floor heating. Um, but literally, only I can stand. If the bed is out, only I can stand in it. So you get up in the morning. One's got to get out of it before the other one can. So you take a lot with you. Okay. So your extra uh, uh, cycling trousers and shirts and whatever. But in your 
uh, bike bags or panniers as they're called, the bike bags, um, you do have one bag full of food and lots of water and the other one closed because you've got, I'm, I'm eating about 3000 calories a day when I'm cycling. So, so if I don't want to disappear, I, I have to keep that many calories. So you've got, you've got lots of your sandwiches with you. You've got uh, pastas with you. You've got fruit with you. You've got your water with you. So lots of things you've got to have on board because they're not, especially in uh, cycling through parts of England over the moors, for example, the highlands, uh, through lots of woods and forests and also cycling down to Rome, there were days that you didn't see a little corner shop or a shop or, or anybody even. So you have to have everything on board. And then you have to have your rain clothes, of course, and um, a warmer jacket and maybe an extra jacket. And so, you you know, you, you, you've got about, I don't know, maybe 10 kilos on board carrying okay. on, your, on yeah. your bike and you just sort of so you've got two back uh and you've got two front loaders back loaders and front loaders they're called you've mostly seen people on these bikes yeah and balance they balance the the bike as well so you've just got to balance it okay. and the rest is in the in the expedition hut as i call it little caravan sure so describe to me your relationship then with uh with africa how did you start was this the first time that you went to Africa. How, how did that begin? That part of yeah, that's life? interesting. Um, our daughter, um, she uh, studied, uh, did part of her uh, training out in Africa in Ghana. Okay. In, up in the northern part of uh, Ghana, and um, she was very homesick. She's uh, she's a a tough cookie, but she was definitely homesick. So I decided I'd go out, and it was just before Christmas, about the fifth of December. Um, which is the Dutch Christmas, of course. And I decided to go out. It was the first time, Ross, that I've ever been sub-Sahara. Mm. And it was like landing on the moon or or even Mars. I was, it was amazing, absolutely amazing. I've never seen anything like it. Fascinated me. And in any case, traveling with your daughter, which is great fun, because uh, being a student, she'll she'll take you in what they call the the matatas, or I think they're called the trotros in uh, in in Ghana. The matatas, those little old buses that are falling to pieces. I think they came from Europe because they weren't allowed to be on the roads here, and they were sent off to Africa. So the Africans used them as kind of buses and taxis, and they would fill up with 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 Africans and goats and 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 gas bottles, the whole lot. And you travel up to where she was studying and uh, and staying. So, you know, you got a really sort of different. It wasn't the tourist route that I took; it was the student route I took. And um, I found it a great eye opener. And Anna also took me around the hospital, and it was quite shocking when you're used to a Dutch um, health health system it really was the opposite of uh, so I don't know you start to think my god surely I can help surely I can do something surely I can do something but the young students were against helping Africa you know African well they were just against it they they, they felt that they they weren't helping themselves and, and I thought gosh this is it. so when I got home you know, listening to the young ones as well, uh, the young students studying there, and my own thoughts on the whole thing. Um, and my husband was, um, it's a long story, this one, but I'll try and keep it short. My husband was uh, the treasurer of um, refugee work in the Netherlands. And um, there was a discussion going on around about Christmas time about uh, two young Somalian girls here with their parents who couldn't afford winter coats. So I said, well, that's crazy. Surely you can, you can do something. I said, tell you what, the kids aren't home for Christmas. We won't have Christmas dinner. We'll give our Christmas dinner money and we'll get them some coats. And then uh, there was a mag the magazine. There were uh, a doctors from Afghanistan who couldn't, they were here in the Netherlands, but they couldn't get a job. 
because their Dutch wasn't up to standard. So uh, at that time, I was the director of client relations at Regina Chaley. So uh, uh, I asked the rest of the other members of the board and also the shareholders whether they'd be prepared to open up a number of weeks a year to help people like this to to to, to kind of find the job that they needed and you know that the, what they'd been taught to do, for example, uh, medicine, and they did. So then I felt, well, at that time, so I used a talent and, you know, that's when we get back to the idea that a talent doesn't have to be hugely something successful is what we think, but the talent that I didn't particularly need to have a big Christmas dinner or the talent that I had a certain position within a company that I could actually knock on the door of uh, of the shareholders and say, excuse me, would you help? And... So that's when, that's the seed, isn't it? That's the seed again. I mean, see it all starting and thinking, what else could I do? And at that time, um, one of our colleagues, uh, Nikki, she introduced me to a guy from Kenya who she felt would would fit into that category of coming to our institute for a week. And quite an amazing young guy who was a cleaner at, uh, at the Mars factory, uh, and um, he had an orphanage in in Kenya, but he had this incredible knack of having suppers at his house, which really was very, very tiny, and he didn't have that much money, but he'd have the Kenyan ambassador there. He would have the local mayor there. So he would get things up and running, and then we started to help him, And then I went out to Kenya and that's how it all started, really. Um, You know, an idea was born. We were being driven around by, my driver was called Morris. And he was quite impressed with the way, what the the work we were doing. And I said, Morris, would you take me to your your home, to your village? Because we're going to pass it on our way back to Nairobi. And he did. And they lived in Mud Hut. And they had two little little boys at that time, and they couldn't send them to school. So I started, that's how it started, sending uh, these two boys. And they had a daughter. And then I started to send more girls in that whole slum area. And he's now my contact in Kenya. So you know, I just do it with him as my contact and myself. And that's how it all started. It kind of grew into something um, to what it is now. It's called the Laurie Tierney Foundation. You can just Google it, Laurie Tierney Foundation. And it we'll put it on the screen. Up. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, again, it's just what kind of talents do we all have? And we all have a range of talents, but we always think of talents as being hugely successful as, in something. You know, but as I said, it could just be running or walking or cycling or knowing somebody. Right. And, and, in, and how? Go ahead. No, sorry. How how did you link? Because you you had the cycling. You've always been you've running your cycling. How did you end up linking the good that you wanted to do with the cycling? Because I think that's fascinating as well. Well, that brings us back to where we both used to work. The Language Institute, Regina Chaley, um, is that when we opened up those places, uh, and then Nikki introduced uh, uh, the Kenyan chap called Julius. Um, we set up. Well, I, or I set up uh, in Regina Chay, the nuns on the run. Um, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I think nuns on the run, and yeah. with and we, that was also fundraising. We did it for fun, fundraising, and that money actually started to go to Kenya to help this guy Julius and what what he was doing uh, at that time. And then I realised it was great fun if you if you ran or did a, a marathon or a half a marathon, you said, okay, if I run a marathon, will you give me four euros uh, 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 and, 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 and one cent, for example, for the or 42 euros, sorry, for the 42 kilometers, or will you give me 42 euros? Or because I am 65 plus, will you double that? So you started to use all these things. And people did, Ross. They were very, very generous uh, um, in in what they gave. And you realise with that little bit of money, because it just costs 10 euros a month to send a child to school, gets educated. They also get breakfast and lunch, uh, which is, feeds their bellies, fill, fill, fills up their tummies, which 
allows them to to learn, you know, even better than to have an empty tummy. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that was the link of uh, it started actually at Regina Chaley with the nuns on the run. And then when I left, of course, and I think just before that, nuns and the run, you know, it, well, it was, no, it was virtually till I left. Okay. And um, so then I had to start doing something myself. And the cycling was was different. You know, people will will listen to a story. They quite like the idea of doing that. And I sent it out on polar steps so people can, can look at the blogs and look at the photos and, uh, and, um, and donate. And what, what mechanism do you prefer for accepting donations? Kickstarter or, or does Polar Steps do that? Is it built in? No, 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 no. I, no, actually, um, I, because it's, I've got a quite a small organization, um, I could have a direct link to a bank account. Mm-hmm. So you just click on that and the money goes in. But that actually would cost a few thousand euros to get that set up. And that would mean that I couldn't send a number of children to school if if I did that. So now it's just literally old-fashioned. You'll see the bank number, the international bank number, and it's literally a matter of typing it in. Okay. Um, and But it's, it's up until now, it has worked to well, do it that good. way. But I might have to change that in the future. But that's the next step. Okay, sure. <laughs> and and how many more of these cycling journeys do you have planned? Obviously, last year was very crazy with the pandemic, but well, how many do you plan to do? Well, that I I, I don't know. I don't know. But um, what I've also with with last year, what what I noticed is with the blog and everything is that people said you you've you've got to you've got to write a book about this, and and I think the book would be. Um, how do, how do you do it? How, how do you cycle from Amsterdam to Rome? How do you know which path to use? Because you're only using cycle paths and very, very small roads. So how do you know that? What have you got on board? You've got a GPS system, you've got your maps and everything, but also what it does to you, your thoughts during the day, how you have to keep yourself fit, how you can do it. So to inspire people to go that little bit further. You can do a little bit, you can do a lot more than you think you can do. And so I've started to write. Um, and hopefully in a number of months that, that will be finished. And I hope to sort of sell it and also as fundraising. And because I can't go to Ireland this, this year, because that will be next year's. And next year I will be 70. So I thought it might be quite fun to do something like Ireland. And my parents both come from Ireland. My name Tierney is very, very Irish. So to kind of go back to the roots and cycle the whole of the border uh, of Ireland in that very special uh, uh, birthday year, that might even be nicer. So this year is around the Netherlands, which is still 1,700 kilometres. And because this idea of slow travelling, where's this pandemic going to lead us to? Will we be able to travel again? But the idea of slowing down, looking at the world differently, noticing things a little bit more, I thought it might be nice to do that and to actually write a book for the English, for the British market, for the English market, because I think the Netherlands, as you know yourself, have the most wonderful cycle paths. I mean, we're just spoiled here. You get onto a cycle path and it's just comfortable, it's easy, it's ultra safe. Yeah, I mean, cycling in in Italy, I tell you, is not ultra safe. (laughs) Cycling to Rome is not ultra safe, it's actually the opposite. So, um, So, and with that idea, that's an idea of fundraising, of going out there, um, I have somebody who said they'd make a video of me and and the book to get that out there as uh, as a part of the marketing to 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 advertise it. So these are ideas that are going on. So the Netherlands this year, Ireland next year. I don't know. <laughs> something. I'm sure it'll be something. I think Vienna or something. Berlin or Vienna or Berlin would be amazing. Yeah. So what are uh, the philosophical part of you? What are some of the things that you have learned or lessons that you have taken away from this new experience? I think, um, well, especially with with the cycling, um, I think it's letting go. Letting go. So let's go back 
to, to what you first said about the, sort of there's that success so because we do don't we our identity is what we do our identity is that success in our job and then all of a sudden uh you don't have the job anymore so uh you're you're retired or you've lost your job or or it could be for many uh, reasons somehow you've kind of lost an identity because the success is gone and it it's that's rubbish it's absolute rubbish because it's there all the time the identity and the success within yourself so it's letting go and realizing who you are your own identity what you can do those your own special talents that can help others so not knowing where you're going to end up that day not knowing who you're going to to meet you, you know how difficult the track or the road could be or how the gradient of a mountain because you've got all apparatus nowadays and maps to do that but it you just you just pedal and you just concentrate on the track and the path and the birds and the leaves and the flowers and and the river and the forest and the woodland it's just you and nature and you become so aware of your own limitations and your own shortcomings and yeah and how what a gift life is just each day for what it is without having all that materialism that we've all got so used to and i know it sounds awfully but but it is what it yeah no but that's that's i think where the things that I loved so much about it that you can actually do a lot with so little you can actually be happy and enjoy with so little and uh, just and the things that make you happy and the things that you enjoy they're free Ross they don't even cost money right. and that's what we've lost that haven't we that it's yeah that it, so I think yeah that's that's Okay. things I took with me, I, I think, or I discovered. Very profound. I think I knew them. But you know, but know they them. They became, yeah, ultra. Feel uh, it in a different yeah, way. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And being at one with nature, I mean, that is so forceful. That's so magical. It really is. But many people most probably would hate to be on their own. I mean, I wasn't on my own in, my, in the evenings. I had my husband to you know, to chat about our days and who he had met and what went wrong and what didn't go wrong and whatever. But during the day, I mean, you spent 100 kilometres cycling on your own and I enjoy that, but maybe many, many wouldn't. But it's worth trying it and having a go. Absolutely. Sure. That sounds incredible. Now you've got me excited to try it. I've never done anything even remotely close to that. You can, you can, I think people, they're, they're people that cycle the Route 66, aren't they? And they're people that cycle all the way across sure. America. I know, I've known, I've met a number of cyclists on my routes that have done that. It, um, it's quite tough. It's very hot as well at some some parts. Yeah, you'd have to be in quite good shape, but I'm sure it can be done. Well, maybe that'll be one of your next challenges. Maybe in a couple <laughs> of years you'll be out here. Who knows? Um, so having done all of that, what does success mean to you? Now, what do you, what would you define success as? Oh dear. Gosh, that's a, that's a, what would I define success? I think I'd define success as just being happy with who you are and what you've got. Mm. Realizing that that each day is a lovely gift to be able to meet new people and to do different things. I think that for me would, would be success. Wow. That's very, very, very special. And a lot of people are not operating on that frequency. I don't mm -hmm. think <laughs> generally, certainly not on Instagram in case you've noticed. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm on the, I mean, on Instagram is, <laughs> Uh, uh, as well, although I get bored every now and again, and then I'm not yeah. on it for a while, and then I, I, I'll use it. I said I didn't use it as a platform when I'm traveling like like this because that's a nice platform to share your you could, yeah. who you've met Thank or you. what you do uh, during the day. But each day to go on and and to say what you're good at and how beautiful you are, and you no, know, mm -hmm. 
that that I, I get bored. I get bored. You're, su- you're supposed to say that success is more followers and money and a nicer car. That's the no, obvious no, answer. No, 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 but that. Right? Yeah, I know. How could you possibly be happy with only a thousand followers? That's, that's yeah. ludicrous. Yeah, no. You need a hundred thousand, or better yet, a hundred million. Oh, <laughs> right? Maybe you'll be happy you'll be with happy. none. Actually, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, I think that's really. I think that's very true. That's all pure evil, honestly. You, you know that that's. I think that sort of hit me. Uh, it must have been about nine years ago or something. I think I was sort of around about sixty. That. Um, I said to my husband, I want, that was one of my, another one of my mad ideas, I'd love to circumnavigate the world. It might have been the time that you were there, Ross, I don't know. I'd love to circumnavigate the world. So I took six, six weeks off. It was around about Christmas time, so you could quite easily uh, have a little bit longer. I took six weeks off uh, and um, we bought a around the world ticket. We went to one of these um, uh, travel agents that you know, where all these young backpackers go to and said, we'd like to have a round the world ticket. And I know that we've got gray hair, but we still would like one of those tickets. And uh, so we chose very, very carefully where we wanted to go, and where we wanted to stop. But we, the thing was, you were, we were only allowed, this is one of my things, but we were only allowed to take five kilos of luggage. And so it literally was, I traveled with my running shoes on and um, maybe my running trousers as well. And you had a kind of a hoodie with you and you had short sleeves, long sleeves, a bikini, um, a wraparound. And that was it really. No hair, uh, no hair dryer. Um, and your means of reading or connection where your iPad and your iPhone and you, you had your, your kind of charges and things like that. And, 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 and my lipstick, I, I, I needed my lipstick. <laughs> and, but that wasn't so much weight. And so we, we, we did this and we just stayed in hostels. So it was, it was on a shoestring. The whole idea was to circumnavigate the planet on a shoestring. And we did this as well. But what was fascinating about the whole thing is it, when we got back, you realised that you ha- you didn't need anything. You didn't need all those things that you thought you needed. So we'd buy a book at an airport. We'd connect up with people at airports because that's where the Wi-Fi was the best. We'd buy a book, uh, uh, read the book. Uh, my husband might read the book that I just bought. And then so you'd have two books to read, for example. And then you'd leave it somewhere for somebody and then you'd buy another one. So you didn't have loads of books and, and, you, uh, and that sort of thing. And when I got back, we had two cars in the driveway and I realised that I hadn't missed my car. We'd done everything on public transport with buses or we'd walked or with trains and, of course, aircraft to take us from one continent to, to, uh, to another. And how, how easy it was. And I, I sold my car and that's when I really started cycling because I would cycle into Chile every day. From then on, I cycled. And in the Netherlands, I bought myself one of these skirt saddles. Yeah, you have those as well. So you could actually put your high heels on, your dress, and just get on your saddle and you could start cycling and your dress and your clothes wouldn't be sort of all crumpled at the back or or, or whatever. And um, you can ask also uh, colleagues at Chaley as well, because they know about this. And for a whole year, I didn't buy anything. I didn't literally Nothing. buy anything. And unless I needed a pair of running socks or I needed a pair of a new pair of running shoes. I mean, that's something you would have to. No, I didn't buy anything. I didn't buy a what? new dress. I didn't buy a, a shirt. I didn't buy anything. What? And you realize that you had so much and nobody noticed and you didn't notice. So again, it's coming back that we don't need all that stuff that we have. And we all, and even I still have too much. We have still have too much. I feel that. You know, when we came here, I, I, that lesson was, we learned that, I think, when we moved here. Because we had two cats, we had to move from the Netherlands, it was very fast. We could only take two suitcases, so we had to fit our entire life into two suitcases wow, to move yeah. to the U.S. That's it. We didn't yeah. ship anything. There were no containers, no boxes, no nothing. Two cats, two suitcases, and that was our whole life. And then you realize the incredible burden of stuff. Yeah. Exactly. That the more stuff you have, the harder it is to move, the harder it is to make yeah. any kind of change. And to this day, that experience, I will look around our apartment and I'll say, oh, that is." if I see something that I think we don't need, I immediately have this feeling of like, let's get rid of it. Let's donate it. 
So I, I feel that very strongly. And I think if you move a lot, you also notice that, even if it's within the country or yeah. the region. What, but, but having said all that, there's one thing yeah. that I do buy and I do collect. I, okay. I, I think that maybe collect is maybe not the, the right word, is, is I have a library here. Because ah. you know, something I love doing. Yes. So yes. I, have, I have lots of books. I understand that. Would I miss those books if they weren't there? Most probably not. But because I live here and I can use them, um, I use them for teaching. I use them to look things up. I, I, I use them to reread. So it's kind of like my Google, if you like, although it takes up a lot of space. Um, but now Lots I of notes? Do you, Sorry? Lots of notes in all of your books, handwriting and absolutely. highlighted. I write all over my books, exactly. Yeah, yeah right. Absolutely. So you can but, reference them. Yeah, I yeah, love that. Exactly. That no, makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's all, it's all organized in in philosophy books and old medical books and uh, and, and novels and fiction and nonfiction. Mm. So there's a, there's a whole system to it. But I'm afraid books is something that I love and I haven't yet learned the art of of reading an e-reader or um or or on my ipad or telephone i i like i like paper and the artisan the artisan uh uh, uh use of uh of paper and pens and and pencils yeah. yep i'm the same way i i did the e-reader thing for a while i did the digital books audio books but i came back to physical books yeah uh, for those exact reasons. And it's so nice. And I'm a digital guy. I'm 100% yeah, digital. That's yeah. my whole thing. Yeah. But, you know, the idea that you can highlight all of the pages that you like, that you can underline, there's just something so powerful in that that I, I don't think you can quite replace it. And you might be able to, you know, select a thing in your e-reader and highlight it, as it were. But yeah. I, I'm i with you there, actually, 100% on that. So I, 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 I have them... They're here, for example, the moleskins, yeah. and I call them my. Oh paper, yes. I call them my paper brain. So yes. if there's a word that I don't know, like a Dutch word or French word, yes. or or a book that I, I'd, I'd like to read, but I'm not going to buy it yet. I'm going to mm -hmm. wait, or something that I've heard. Oh, that's really nice. I'll write that down. Write down. And I might not always remember it, but I I have a, a brain that says, I've got that somewhere. Hold on, and I'd be able to. Fo I, I can kind of visualize it, and I can go to my book and think. Oh yes, here it is. I've got it here. Right. And I've got a whole uh, um, uh, a whole shelf of these. It's called Paper Brain. I like and, it. Uh, and, uh, I might and, steal that from you. <laughs> I like it a lot. You can, I don't know. I remember by writing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same. I kind of internalize things by writing, mm -hmm. and it's the same with writing the book um, on the trip to 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 Rome, as you'll. See here, it's just full of notes that I kind of write when I think about them to be able to add to the story. Or I've done some research work of I read about a number of cyclists. I haven't done the same because it hasn't. Nobody's written about cycling as such. They've done the end-to-end -end route, mm -hmm. and it's quite nice to read the books and then to look at the verbs that people have used for cycling or use the adjectives that they've used, or nouns, or, because uh, there's a whole series that you might not, you will have known, you know the words, but you most, they wouldn't come to mind immediately. So um, I, I, I write them down and I kind of mm -hmm. steal them in a way, but not steal them, just remind my brain that they're out there somewhere right. and I can use them. <laughs> that's just living, that's just being a writer. <laughs> that's what everybody does. I don't think yeah. that's... Uh, this has been really, really wonderful. I don't want to take too much of your time. It's been excellent so far. Very profound stuff already mentioned. I do want to do a bit of a speed round. A couple quick questions. Okay, if you're ready. You want, and you want quick answers, do you? Yes, quick. <laughs> we're just going to we're gonna wrap it up with a few quick questions. First, how many languages do you speak? Uh, I speak uh, uh, two languages really well, okay. and that's English and Dutch. And Dutch, okay, yeah. sure. And, and there's a bit of French and a bit of German. Okay, yep, sounds good. Um, for somebody who is either being forced to make a major change or sees one on the horizon or who has recently retired, anybody who is staring down the barrel of a very major life change and they don't know what to do, what advice might you have? I, my advice would be dare to take the plunge. 
dare to to jump to to, to jump off the edge. Um, uh, it's never as deep as you think. Uh, it's never as shallow as you think. Uh, the water you jump into is never as hot or cold as you think. Uh, it's worth going go, but you have to use your gut feeling. You have to really use your heart and your gut feeling and know that something is right and dare to do it. Just go for it. I like it. Uh, who's your favorite philosopher? Oh, Hannah Arendt. Okay, I don't know who that is. Hannah uh, Arendt, uh, uh, she was in America for the last years of her life. Okay. Uh, she wrote about the Eichmann uh, trials and the uh, banality of evil. Hmm. Okay. She talked about totalitarianism and um, her philosophy uh, uh, is very, um, I think it's very current. You, could, you, can, you can see a lot of her philosophy in what's happening to the world uh, today. That and um, Isaiah Berlin. <clears throat> and Isaiah Berlin was very well known for his uh, 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 positive and negative uh, freedoms. So what, what is freedom and what is... Okay, they're, they're two of my very favourite. Okay. Which are very unusual because people would usually sort of say Aristoteles or Socrates. Or <laughs> right. Other, right. Are, do, are there books that correspond, uh, particular works that you'd recommend? Well, the Banality of Evil. Oh, that is the name. Adam. Okay. Oh, gotcha. yeah. That okay. Is, yes. that, that, that's a must. I okay, Banality a, of Evil. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Okay. And from Hannah Arendt's or Arendt? Well, that's the banality of evil. Oh, who's the second one then? I must have misunderstood. Uh, uh, Hannah Arendt is the banality of evil. Or that's ah. the book you should read. And is Isaiah uh, uh, Berlin would be yes, positive that. and negative freedom. Isaiah Berlin. Okay, Berlin. got it. Yeah. Understood. There we go. I was getting my wires crossed. Okay, uh, best piece of advice you've ever received? Gosh. Hmm. Do you know, I'm going to mention something that my father once told me. Sure. And that was, go out and play in the rain, because in the rain you grow. So I think it's a kind of a metaphor of not being, just go out and do things. Just go and do it. Yeah. Most people think if you go out in the rain, you're going to get cold. And you're going to get sick. You're going to get sick. But my father always taught us that when you, if you go out in the rain, uh, to play, for example, that's the reasoning behind it, you, you grow. So we believed that we would grow. We believed that we would really get taller if we went out and played in the rain. But you can use it as a metaphor and an anecdote for many, many things in life. I love that. Don't be afraid of something that you might be afraid of. Yeah, or exactly. lean into the negativity or something uh, like yeah, that. Yeah, lean into the negativity because that's what people do. Oh, don't come out. It's, it's raining. It, yeah. you'll, get a, you'll get a cold. You'll catch your right. death out there. Whereas I was taught the opposite. I was taught, no, to go out there, you'll, you can get strong doing that. That's wonderful. And you've certainly done that. If anybody has leaned into the difficulty, I think it's been you. Not many people are choosing at your age to bike that many kilometers a day or run or do marathons or all of that stuff. So you've certainly kept the both that and the plasticity of the mind that is so important. So for that, I think it's incredible, incredibly admirable what you have been doing. Thank and you. Uh, Thank if I could do half of that when I'm your age, I would be thrilled. That would, that sounds remarkable to be able to do that. So um, kudos to you for for keeping the magic going and for finding new things and challenges and ways exactly. to give back. That's excellent. Keeping the curiosity going. Yeah. yeah you can call yeah. it magic or the... But it is literally just being curious for the other, for the world around you, asking the questions. People don't ask questions anymore. They don't, you do. <laughs> I mean, in general, you know, people don't really ask questions. You can meet people and you can have a very superficial uh, discussion. But isn't it nice to say, God, how do you do that? And what did that mean to you? And how did you feel about that? And people love it if you, if you if if you do that, but we tend not to do that because we're all in a rush and we've got too many other things to do, I suppose. Yeah. So staying curious, I think, and in that curiosity, it's not just with that; it's also keeping your body moving, because if you don't, it gets stiff and you won't be able to do all those things. 
Thanks for listening to the Beat the Often Path podcast. If you've been enjoying this show, please like, comment, share, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to me on YouTube. It would mean the world to me. Also, do you have an unusual success story or do you know someone who does? Well, please recommend them to me. They could be a future guest on this show. Maybe they've rolled the largest boulder down the mountains of Tibet, or maybe they built the world's largest chicken farm in Madagascar. The point is, I don't know what I don't know, so I'm looking for inspiration and unusual success stories. So help me by being a part of this adventure. I'm looking to grow this podcast with you. Thanks again for listening.